everybody. You are listening to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast, where we will be tackling real financial issues so women can eliminate fear and take charge of their lives. I am your host, Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. So let's get to it. During times of inflation, all costs go up. I mean, costs over the past year have gone up exponentially. At one point, we were at 9% inflation. Now it's coming back down. But this inflates everything, the cost of food, the medical expenses, everything that we do in our daily life. So you will have to really raise the saving bar if there are inflationary times. And if you're in retirement at this point because you retired early, then the 4% rule isn't really dynamic enough and doesn't really accurately reflect what's going on in the real world. And chances are you're going to have to withdraw a lot more than 4% from your portfolio to keep the standard of living that you had before the inflationary times. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to talk about fire. Remember fire? Everybody was talking about fire for a while. Everybody wanted to do it. It seemed to be kind of the cool, hip thing to do. And I'm wondering if in this current economic environment with inflation, a possible recession looming uh, large ahead of us, maybe we'll have it, maybe we we won't, higher interest rates, higher medical costs, and much longer lifespans, hence causing us to have a retirement that could go way out. So if you're going to retire at 35 or 40, you could have a retirement that needs to be funded for 50 years, maybe even 60 if you live to be 100. So I want to do a deep dive analysis today into whether or not fire is realistic or just for outliers who don't have a grip on reality. So what does the acronym FIRE stand for? It stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. So look, on the face of it, that sounds awesome, right? Everybody's thinking, oh, wow, you know, I'll have some time to travel, see the world, so on and so forth. And that, you know, on just the face of it might seem good. But really, in reality, I think there's a lot more to this concept And I'm not sure it's all it's cracked up to be, but let's get into it. So let's have a little bit of history about FIRE. A lot has been written about it over the last 20 years, but where did the concept actually originate? It originated in 1992 when Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez published a book called Your Money or Your Life, which This book popularized the idea of achieving financial independence early in life rather than spending the best years of your life working in a nine-to-five job to make money. So this was not just an intellectual exercise for the authors. It was actually a way of life for them. Joe Dominguez was a stock analyst, and he retired at the ripe old age of 31, and he had a nest egg of $100,000, which in today's dollars is about $215,000. For the remaining 27 years of his life, he lived to be 58 years old. He lived off $6,000 per year, which his portfolio generated for him. Vicki Robin left her career in theater and film when she embraced Joe's new roadmap for money. So I want to get real about this. You cannot retire today with $200,000 at 30 years old 
with potentially 60 more years of life with $215,000. It's just not possible. I mean, you will be living in abject poverty and you are be lucky if you make it to 40 on that amount of money. I mean, Joe was obviously very, very frugal and I suspect, you know, he didn't pay for his kid's college education or really maybe enjoy a lot of things in life because $6,000 is a pretty low amount of money even back then per annum. But the driving concept of the book is that we drift through life exchanging time for money without much thought. I can get on board with that concept, okay, 100%. Time is our most precious and scarce resource, and that is a fact. And according to the authors, many of us spend too much of our time earning money to buy things that don't really matter. They reasoned if you spent less money, you could work less. And if you work less, you would then focus on the things that meant more to you than accumulating possessions. You know, money is very, can be very insidious. We can put too much emphasis on money and possessions. So the core message of not letting money dictate our lives is, in my mind, a legitimate message. But did the movement throw the baby out with the bathwater? That's my question. It was really after the Great Recession uh, in 2008 that the there was a cadre of people that became very disillusioned with working incessantly to fund an expensive life, which often involved student debt and mortgages. And at this time, right after the Great Recession, the FIRE movement really started to take hold with a lot of people, especially millennials, I think. Millennials were just coming of age. During this time, and some of them started to believe that rampant consumerism was ruining their lives. And they were also questioning why 65 was the desired retirement age. So they were kind of revolting against everything that came before, all what the baby boomers, you know, kind of thought about retirement and that, you know, 65 was the age. Kind of like, you know, maybe they were looking to France, who is now you know, having revolts and protests over there because people do not want to move the retirement age from 61 to 65. So, you know, reasonable minds can differ about when retirement is the best time uh, to stop working. But I think in this day and age, you have to be a little bit fluid when thinking about this. So I might also add that during this time when this was really catching hold uh, to people's imaginations, it was a time of very low interest rates and the longest bull market in history. That would be from 2009 to 2020. Index funds were a simple and profitable way to invest, and many, many people invested and continue to invest in index funds. So a lot of people made money in the stock market without too much strategy, which may have fueled this movement as well. See, we had this long period of no interest rates, really. They were at 0% for a while, and they inched up a little bit. Until this past year, we've had some very cheap money out there, and that fueled the stock market boom. And so if you were in an index fund, you really could make money without doing much. I mean, those days are pretty much, in my mind, probably uh, over for the most part, I mean, there is a place for index funds, but I do not think that they're going to be quite as successful as they have been uh, in the past during those uh, low interest and low inflation times. So my question is, 
Is there a deeper problem here? Is it just about rampant consumerism? Or is it about the fact that people maybe don't like their jobs or they don't want to work or they don't want to work in the jobs that they have? A 2022 Gallup survey found that 68% of Americans were not engaged at work. They found that 17% were actively disengaged at work. So that leaves a whopping 32% of people feeling jazzed about their jobs. I think that's pretty pathetic. I mean, that's well less than half of the population who are excited about their jobs and way more people, almost 70% of Americans, not engaged at work. They're just automatons. So it's no wonder that a growing number of young workers are dreaming about leaving the workplace altogether if these are the stats that we're working with. So I want to say this, if you're drawn to this concept of fire because you hate your job, then there's a deeper problem to address. This isn't about rampant consumerism. This is about what you do every day with your life and about your fulfillment and your career development and your purpose, right? So if you hate Mondays because of your job, perhaps you need a new career path, right? This is something you need to really get in touch with. You might just need an intentional career path in which your talents and passions intersect. And I know some people are probably rolling their eyes right now, but really this is achievable. It it just takes some self-study and evaluation and application and just trying to find that space where you feel the most fulfilled in your professional life. Ken Coleman, who is a career coach uh, and the author of From Paycheck to Purpose, believes that we can live the dream if we are willing to do deep, meaningful work on ourselves to find our dream job and love what we're doing for a living. Now, again, this may take some soul searching and strategizing with a coach maybe, but it's well worth it if you derive a lifetime of fulfillment achievement, self-esteem, and purpose from your work. So I recently did a podcast with JT O'Donnell, who is a real firecracker and a top career coach. And she discussed that at different times in our life, you know, jobs can mean different things to us, right? At one point, it may be a paycheck because we are just dealing with other things in our life. Or it is a career, something that we are engaged in, but it may not be our passion or it may be a calling, which is a passion. So we, in my opinion, we need to take the journey with our professional lives to explore, develop, and experience our professional goals and growth. FIRE cuts that off at a very early age. 30, 40 is very young. You still, like I said before, you could live to be 80, 90, or 100 years old in this time, and, and it's a long time to be retired. Often early retirees are running away from what they don't like. They may not have thought about their true purpose or interest. Maybe they're just in a job they hate and they just want to stop and not deal with working at all. But again, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, in my opinion. It's not uncommon for a fire advocate to reach their financial milestones and quit work to find out that they are more anxious and depressed than ever not working. Once a job is removed as a reason for unhappiness, then we have to kind of face our true fears and anxieties and really get down and dirty and confront who we really want to be in life and what's really bothering us. So what else is FIRE really about? 
Not everyone pursues FIRE because they want to retire early. Some are seeking financial independence, and that goal I can totally get on board with. Financial independence to me means having the options to change course at any given moment because I want to explore other options in a career. It also means not having your financial house implode because of a sudden unexpected event or emergency, but giving yourself some breathing room, some options that will allow you to make changes and change the course of your life without everything falling apart at the seams. So FIRE has iterations now. It's come a long way, I think, from what Joe Dominguez and Vicki Robin wrote about back in 1992. And the core of the message, I think, in FIRE is to be intentional in your spending and for the purposes of FIRE so you can save as much as you possibly can so you can retire early. But again, there are different approaches to FIRE and they actually have names. There are three approaches that I found. One is called Fat FIRE and that means being able to retire without altering your current standard of living. So this requires the most aggressive saving and investment strategies. And again, this is a big ask. If you are living a okay lifestyle or a nice lifestyle and you want to retire and continue to live that same lifestyle for a 40 or 50 year period and you need to fund that, then you're going to have to have some money to do that. Then there's lean fire, which means being willing to live a very minimalist lifestyle to cut expenses to the bone in retirement. Lean fire individuals aim to survive on, say, $25,000 annually. Okay, this sounds like, to me personally, like a very sad retirement. And I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm going to, I don't envision living on $25,000 a year in retirement as a happy thing to do. It sounds dire to me. So uh, if it means I have to work to uh, longer to live a better retirement, I mean, I'm, I'm all over that, but that's just me. Then there's baristifier. I love that name, baristifier. This is between the two extremes of fat and lean fire. It means that you maintain more than a minimalist lifestyle in retirement through a combination of savings and a part-time job or some kind of gig work. So maybe you become a barista. So I can kind of get on board with that as well, but I think the $25,000 a year in lean fire, I mean, that sounds really depressing. So the goal in FIRE is to save and invest aggressively. Somewhere between 50 to 75% of your income should be saved to accomplish your goals. So you can retire sometime in your 30s or 40s. And again, like this, again, to me, it sounds a bit odd. Uh, I get it. You're going to save 75% of what you make. But the rule of thumb is 50% of your income goes to fixed cost. 30% goes to the things that you want, your discretionary cost, and 20% goes to investment and savings. So as you can see, they're really pumping up that 20% number to between 50 and 75. So that means that you're going to have very, very little discretionary, no discretionary uh, spending really. And almost all of your money is going to go to your fixed costs, which they want you to keep very, very low if you want to be able to retire at 30 or 40. So in order to save away that much money for investing, folks who are on fire are always looking to do two things, keep their expenses extremely low and find ways to raise their income. The general idea is the higher your income and the lower your expenses, the faster you can reach that financial goal of retirement. 
And okay, that is how you build net worth, right? You always want to have more assets than liabilities and you want to grow those assets over time. That is the bare bones concept of growing net worth. And that is kind of the motivating factor here in this FIRE idea. But I continue to believe it's at the expense of some happiness along the way to get to that early retirement that looks in some ways to me a bit bleak if you're only living on, I don't know, 25 grand a year. But let's look into this a little bit further. What is the FIRE formula to accomplish early retirement? So there's three factors that come into play here. Savings rate, how much can you save every year? What's your return on your savings? And what's your withdrawal rate going to be in retirement? So here's the process. This is how you figure this out. You determine how much you can save. A lot of FIRE proponents want to save 50%. Okay, so they're saving 50% of their income. And the other 50% is going to go towards their fixed costs and whatever discretionary or wants that they have. Then you apply the 25 times rule, which is you take a portion of your income that you spend and you multiply it by 25. So if you spend 50,000 per year, you need 25 times the 50,000 to retire, or you need 1.25 million to retire for 30 years. So, okay, so here we go. This is where it starts losing its appeal to me. If you're 30 years old and somehow you've saved $1.25 million, that's pretty much going to take you out until you're 60, which in this day and age, 60 is the new 40. And maybe because I'm in my 60s, I'm saying that. But honestly, I do think most people are living past 60. And I hope that most people are living past 60. So you calculate how long it's, it will take you to save this amount, which requires assuming a rate of return on what your savings is generating. So there's a little danger there because if you happen to be very aggressive in that assumption, then all of a sudden you're gonna expedite how much your retirement is, how long that money's gonna take you out because you're actually assuming that it's generating more return for you than it really will. So you, in my mind, if you're gonna do this calculation, make sure that your return assumptions are very conservative. And in my mind, if you take inflation into consideration with return assumptions, I mean, if you're assuming 10%, then you're in la-la land. I, I don't think over time that's what you're going to get on your investments year on year. So I would assume something much less than that. And then there's the 4% rule. You assume you will withdraw 4% per year in retirement, and that has traditionally been considered a safe rate of withdrawal. So you're determining how much you can save. You're applying the 25 times rule to that amount. You calculate how much the savings that you have saved is going to return to you. And then you apply the 4% rule. So th those that's the formula for FIRE and how you determine when you can retire and how long your money is going to last you. So what are the obstacles to FIRE, especially in this economic environment? Well, first thing in my mind is life expectancy. Life expectancy in the United States in 2023 is 79.11 years. So that's the average, right? So that's almost 80 years old. My parents are both in their 90s. My husband's parents are both in their 90s. And I know a lot of people who are living well into their 90s. So if you are assuming an 80-year lifespan, 
That is 40 to 50 years of retirement funding if you retire at 40 or 30 years old. That's a long funding period, which increases the potential for running out of money exponentially. If you live to be 80 or older, you don't want to run out of money when you're 80. And I will tell you why. Because at that moment in time, at that time of your life, is when you may have more medical conditions and higher medical costs. If you don't have a long-term care policy to give you that insurance that will help pay for this care that you might need in your elderly age, then I don't know. Fire doesn't seem to factor that in to its equation. The 4% rule of withdrawal is going to go out the window if you have higher medical costs or you don't have a long-term care policy and you have to fund uh, some sort of nursing care for yourself because you have dementia or you're just not well. So again, this to me is a big, big hole in the whole FIRE idea. And the second thing I would say that is an obstacle is in times of inflation, things cost more. They cost a lot more. So when inflation was 2% over the last 10 years or you know seven or eight years, FIRE was slightly more achievable. But during times of inflation, all costs go up. I mean, costs over the past year have gone up exponentially. At one point, we were at 9% inflation. Now it's coming back down. But this inflates everything, the cost of food, the medical expenses, the cost of fuel, everything that we do in our daily life. So you will have to really raise the saving bar if, you know, there are inflationary times. And if you're in retirement at this point because you retired early, then the 4% rule isn't really dynamic enough and doesn't really accurately reflect what's going on in the real world. And chances are you're going to have to withdraw a lot more than 4% from your portfolio to keep the standard of living that you had before the inflationary times. So I also want to say uh, that the 4% rule doesn't really accommodate kind of in early retirement. People might want to spend more because they want to travel. They're still healthy enough to wander the world and enjoy life. And it doesn't really take into account, well, not only inflation and what people's desires might be at certain ages, but it won't really take into account market downturns along the way, which could permanently decrease your capital. If you need to withdraw money during a prolonged downturn, then you're having permanent capital loss because you're withdrawing money when your prices, uh, the you know, the value of your portfolio is quite depressed. So this is where your investment strategy is really key, but no investment strategy is gonna really help if it's a prolonged downturn and you don't have any money coming in, you've retired very early and you still have a long lifespan in front of you. Another big barrier is student debt. A lot of people today have student debt. Over half of young adults who attended college have student debt, and the typical monthly payment is anywhere between $200 and $300 per month. So this is a cost that has to be paid, and that's going to cut into the savings rate to accomplish FIRE. Then again, health costs. If you are retired, you're probably going to have to pay for your own medical insurance, your own health insurance, right? You don't have a job anymore. So this is a big cost that you need to put into your calculation of post-retirement expenses until you get to become eligible for Medicare, which will reduce that. But if you retire at 30, you're not getting Medicare until you're 65. 
if you retire at 40, you still got 25 years to think about how you're going to pay for your health insurance. That to me is a big problem. Also, if most of your savings is in a retirement plan, a 401k or an IRA, and you withdraw this money before 59 and a half, then you're going to have a 10% penalty on that withdrawal. And you are going to be paying ordinary income tax rates on that withdrawal. So this is not an efficient way to fund a retirement pre-59 and a half. So if you're going to retire at 30 or 40 or even 50, you need what they call a bridge account, which is an actual brokerage account, which we often call a taxable account because you're putting post-tax money into it. And you need to fund that because that's going to be the account that is going to fund your retirement pre your full retirement age or pre 59 and a half if you want to start taking money out of your IRA at 59 and a half. So you have to max out on your retirement savings and you also have to have this other account that's going to be your bridge because if you don't have this bridge account, you can't start taking money out of your retirement money at 40 or you're going to get the penalties. And even if you do it after 59 and a half, you really don't need to start taking money out of your retirement accounts until you're 72 or 73 now. And the reason people want to push that out as far as possible is because they are having to pay ordinary income tax on those distributions, and it is the most expensive way to pay themselves. So if you have a taxable account that's a bridge account, you can take money out of that. You don't have a penalty. And the rate, uh, the general rate on dividend income is anywhere from 15 to 20% tax rate. So that's a lower taxable way of getting money out of your portfolio. But that means if you're going to retire early, you need to have funded those two accounts to really make this work. The other problem I think that is a big obstacle for FIRE is a family. If you have one, kids are expensive. So unless you are a very high earner, saving at a rate needed for fire is going to be a challenge. You may need to pay for kids schooling or their medical expenses, or, you know, you just want your child to do a few things in their childhood. So uh, there's an example of this. I read about, I read an article in Fortune magazine in April, 2023. So it's super recent. A fire movement pioneer, Sam Dogen of, uh, he has a blog called the Financial Samurai blog. He retired at 34. I'm saying retired in quotes because he actually has a blog and he's done a bunch of other things to make money. But at 34, he retired. He had $3 million. And he has now decided to return to work because in his numbers, according to him, he really can't afford to put his kids through college. He can't afford the college education. And, you know, keep paying for his own retirement through God knows however long he's going to live. So he cites multiple reasons in the article for this. He says, number one is investment portfolio took a beating last year, which would be 2022. Interest rates went up. All the S&P index took a bath. It was down 23%. So if that was part of your retirement funding for fire, well, you were just down almost a quarter, uh, 25%. That's a lot of money to lose. He misses the camaraderie of work. He says early retirement is quite lonely and there's only so many uh, pickleball games a person can play. He can't make the math work on paying for his children's college education. 
He currently has passive income of 200000 a year, which gives him the space to consider career options so he doesn't have to jump at the first thing, which is very good, but it just doesn't provide the funds for his family to live the way he wants his family to now live and to achieve goals down the line for them like a college education. So the other problem I think an obstacle to fire is recession and inflation. During these times, it's best to carry higher cash balances or have safer investments and have your emergency fund very flush so that if you have an unexpected situation, you do have money on hand. You don't want to borrow when interest rates are high. So this is going to reduce your ability to save in the way that FIRE requires to generate the necessary income during your retirement phase in FIRE. So it's just not really viable, in my opinion. So here's my take. I personally think FIRE isn't viable for most of us, but it has some really good values to share. So I would like to aspire to not FIRE, but to financial independence more options. Not FOMO, but FIMO. I don't think FIRE is really viable for most people in this world who want to live a full life and who have families or who have things that they want to do in life throughout their life that you know they really desire to do. So financial independence does not mean retiring early. It means living within our means, saving consistently, eliminating carrying credit card debt, and building net worth over time in a slow, consistent manner that gives us the options to change careers, deal with unexpected upheavals, and deal with unexpected expenses and even market downturns without the whole financial house of cards falling in on our heads. Okay, so we don't want that. It means being intentional, right? It means being sensible in looking at the length of retirement given our longer lives and planning accordingly so we don't run out of money prematurely. It means considering long-term care costs and issues. Many of us are going to need long-term care and increased care in our old age. I think I read somewhere that most people, if you're 60, around 60 uh, years old, 30% of people over 60 are going to get dementia in some form. These people are going to need long-term care. And if you have those kinds of expenses in your retirement and you retired at 40, you better have a boatload of money to take care of yourself later down the line. It means really having a mature, grown-up view of life and that fulfilling work can actually extend our lives and dignity in retirement. Do you know that a recent study found that early retirement may hasten the onset of dementia. Early retirees suffer from higher levels of cognitive impairment and slow memory. So work isn't just about drudgery, right? It's about figuring out the work that isn't going to be drudgery, but is going to be something that gives you purpose and meaning and then is a vehicle to allow you to enjoy all those things in life that require some money to pay for them, but that bring you joy. So here are the good things that I want everyone to take away from FIRE. Although I think it's a bit of a fantasy, if you think you can retire at 30 and live till 90 and have a life of fulfillment and caring for others, I do think there are some good concepts in this movement. So 
Some of the good lessons that come from FIRE are the following. Start planning for retirement early. Obviously, this is the main point of FIRE. They're thinking about retirement way earlier than most people. And that is a really good thing because the sooner you start saving from, you know, for retirement, the better your retirement's going to look. It's just you got to save not just for 10 years. You probably are going to have to save throughout your career and your work life that could maybe take you into your 50s or your 60s, but it will provide those later years in retirement with a much better lifestyle. It also promotes living within your means and keeping expenses low. And this is a form of making people budget. And I'm always banging on about how budgeting is important. So I love this concept within FIRE. Do your budget. Try to minimize your expenses so that you're growing your assets and having less liabilities and growing your net worth over time. So this is a a very laudable concept that's in FIRE. Also, increasing your income which is the most powerful wealth building tool because fire is two things, dropping expenses to the lowest and increasing income. So making extra money with a side hustle or buying a rental property or finding additional streams of income to increase your net worth through greater income is is a very, very important goal to have. And I like that fire is promoting that concept. Also eliminating credit card debt. You really can't save if you have a lot of debt. So those things go, you know, hand in hand. Having an emergency fund, you do need to save. And instead of maybe thinking about it as getting out of your job early for early retirement, maybe it just means you have a robust emergency fund. And it makes saving and investing a number one priority. And so I like that idea, right? Because saving and investing should be a big priority in our lives because it is our ticket to freedom and independence and less stress and better health. So automate savings and your investment contributions to monthly automated deposits. That's why you don't have to think about it. Don't make it optional. And you're going to see how your accounts are going to grow and your net worth is going to grow. And then there'll be a moment when retiring makes sense. And you'll say, okay, I've got to fund these next 30 years. Can I do it? And then at that point, if you have enough money to retire, that's the appropriate time to retire. The other concepts I think that FIRE promotes, which are good, is max out on your retirement savings. And I would add to that, you need to fund a taxable brokerage account. Because if you do retire before, you have to take your required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts it would be best to take it from a taxable account or a bridge account. You certainly don't want to take any money out of your retirement accounts before 59 and a half and pay that 10% penalty. That doesn't make any sense. So in conclusion, I think the message of FIRE has evolved since its inception as a backlash to materialism, to a desire not to work, and perhaps a means to escape a less than ideal job situation. But I want to caution anyone pursuing it. Life is now very long for many of us. Hopefully, hopefully it is for me. Medical costs are high. And the time of easy money with low interest rates and low inflation may be a thing of the past. So we need to redefine FIRE. We need to now call it financial independence, more options. That's what I like. I think that's a better version of FIRE and it will make sure that you can live in your 
extended retirement in dignity, and that when you're 80 years old, if you need some care by caregivers, that you are able to pay for that and not worry about how you are going to be taken care of when you most need it. And it's also going to allow you to live your life in retirement, I think, in a happier and more robust way. So financial independence, more options. That's what I'm voting for. I think FIRE had its moment, and now it's time for that concept to move on. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you uh, liked the podcast. Please send me any feedback that you have, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you for listening today to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And I would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at The Fiscal Feminist or check out the website FiscalFeminist.com. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.